0: So, our focus tonight is emotions. Hot topic. (laughs) And the first thing I want to say is to be sure that we draw a distinction between feeling and emotions. In our culture, we pretty much use those terms interchangeably. But in Buddhist practice, feeling or Vedana refers specifically to pleasant unpleasant and neutral, Um, all of our experience is said to fall into one of those three categories. And seeing those uh, in our experience, seeing the quality of pleasant, unpleasant or neutral is very central to our practice because that's what leads to grasping and pushing away. But tonight, we're not gonna focus on feeling. We're gonna focus on emotions, emotional states. Those qualities um, such as happiness, sadness, fear, anger, depression, anxiety, etc. They can be, emotions can be quite confusing. They can create quite a tempest in our lives And so our mindfulness practice um, can be very, very helpful to dealing with emotions in our everyday lives. Emotions are complicated, or at least we make them so. Uh, There are many definitions of emotions. People see emotions very differently. Sometimes people tend to judge them. good, bad. Uh, sometimes someone who is very in touch with their emotions and we might say is very emotional, um, is considered, you know, more sensitive or more open or more approachable, more loving, whatever. And someone who's not so out with their emotions might be considered cold or um, unfeeling, and sometimes those judgments are not very accurate. Um, I think we all just are different. Some people experience emotions very deeply, but they're not very demonstrative. You don't see it necessarily. Some people, you know, wear their emotions on their sleeves, so to speak, but they don't go very deep. (laughs) They're kind of superficial and kind of passing. So I think we want to be careful not to judge uh, the emotion itself or the person that is experiencing it. So I want to refer to Gill's definition of emotion. In his book, there's a nice chapter on working with emotions. And on the last page, he says, Emotions are composite events made up of bodily sensations, thoughts, feelings, motivations, and attitudes. So you can see they're not necessarily simple. There are many components to emotions. And it's important that we be aware of our emotions because often we're not, and then they drive us, they run us. So that's why um, I did the little exercise during the meditation, and I'm going to encourage you to do that during this next week. To periodically check in with yourself, what am I aware of? right now? What is the, I want to say feeling state, but I avoid that since we're talking about emotions, not feeling. Um, What is the emotional state that is present right now? Sometimes it'll be very obvious, you know, you'll know in an instant, especially if it's strong, oh, I'm angry, or I'm depressed, or whatever. Other times, it's not so clear. It may not be so strong. Um, You just may not be focusing, you may not be paying attention to it. So, as you check in, just stay with it a little bit and see. And if nothing seems to be your answer, then let that be. Probably there is always some emotional state, but it may not be so close to your awareness, and that's okay. You know, we don't necessarily want to go digging We just want to keep bringing our awareness to what is the emotional state right now. Because, as I said, if we're not aware, then it becomes the filter through which we see life. If we're depressed and we're not aware of it, then we can see everything in a very dim view, a very negative, perhaps, way. Um, If we're angry, then that clearly colors how we see things, right? So it's not that we don't want to be angry or don't want to be depressed or whatever else, but we want to be aware of it so that we know what we're feeling. We're aware then of the filter through which we are experiencing life. And in this practice... we don't want to in any way dull our emotions. Sometimes we get misunderstood, and people think that we're wanting to be emotionless, <laughs> to not have these emotions. Equanimity often gets misinterpreted as um, disinterest or uh, uncaring or something like that. Not at all. That's not the point. The point is to understand our emotions, as much as we can and then use them skillfully use them wisely and not have them run us we want to reduce our reactivity so often this is this is the concern with emotion we become reactive you know we have an emotion a strong emotion and we react and what we want to learn to do is not react. Be aware, feel it, respond. Respond comes out of a non-reactive place. It comes out of knowing what we're experiencing, what the emotion is, and then choosing. Choosing how we're going to respond, what we're going to say or do. So along with just recognizing what the emotional state is, it's important to sort of ground ourselves by seeing where in our bodies do we experience that emotion. And at first, again, you may not be aware. Sometimes it's quite obvious. You know, anger might be quite obvious. Many people experience anger in their belly. Or most of us, I think, many of us experience it as heat arising. Um, But where is it for you? It might be different. Or another way of saying it is, how do you know that that's the emotion you're feeling? And often the body is a clue. Or it might be Embarrassment. Where do you feel, where do you notice embarrassment or shame? Sadness. And there are some places that are pretty typical for most of us, but on the other hand, we're each different. And so some people experience um, anger in one place, somebody else may experience anger somewhere else anxiety you know some of us experience anxiety in our shoulders it might get tight or tense or across our back other people get butterflies in their stomach and we might get all of the above but important to notice to be aware where are we experiencing that emotion Often, in Buddhist practice, emotions are labeled skillful and unskillful, um, useful, unuseful. And I'm going to suggest a more neutral approach. I'm going to suggest that we learn to accept emotions as is, just as they are. Emotions are part of the human experience. We all experience them. We all experience probably the whole range of emotions. Maybe in different amounts, maybe at different times, but we all experience the human range of emotions. And so my sense is that they're here for a reason. That there's something to be learned from our emotions. And if we can come to see them as teachers, perhaps, as we might say a red flag, or uh, something to bring our awareness, bring our attention to something, then we can use them skillfully and not have to either attach or push them away. It's said also in in practice that if we bring our our attention to emotions, whatever the emotion is, that the positive emotions then will increase. It will enhance the so-called positive emotions, happiness, joy, generosity, calm, these kinds of emotions, and that it will reduce the so-called negative emotions, um, anger, fear, boredom, um, depression. These emotions get labeled negative and it's said that just bringing our attention will help reduce the so-called negative ones and increase the so-called positive. And as I say, I would like to suggest that we accept all of our emotions. Now when I say that, I'm not saying, okay, let's go out and cultivate anger or cultivate fear or depression. I'm not suggesting that. I am suggesting just that we accept there's anger there's fear. Ah, what is this about? What can I learn from this? Rumi has a poem that speaks to this that probably many of you have heard. It's called The Guest House. This being human is a guest house. Every morning a new arrival. A joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes. Because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. So Rumi's suggesting, you know, um, even the malice, even the dark thoughts, we might not say in Buddhist practice, ah, bring them in. (laughs) We might, though, say, accept them, acknowledge them, accept them, let them be. We may not say they're a gift from beyond, but we might say, mm, there's something to learn here, something for us to pay attention to. They may be calling our attention to something in our lives. Then I think it's very important for us to look at the gradations or to look at the, the different components of each emotion. Just as we do with pain, you know, the body sensation of pain. Once we start doing this practice, pain begins to lose its meaning because we realize that pain is just a general term. And what we really want to be aware of is what are the sensations, moment by moment by moment. Is there heat? Is there cool? Is there drawing? Is there um, tightness, etc., etc.? And as we do that, we also see that there are moments of no sensation, no pain. There are gaps. And that's what begins to help us to deal with pain. To see that it's not so solid, that it is constantly changing, and that it really, in a way, there's no such thing as pain. There's just all these different sensations, and we put the concept or the label of pain. Once we remove that, then there's just the sensation. And when there's just the sensation, it's manageable. I see the same thing with emotions, particularly something like, say, anger or depression. Anger often... (laughs) It's a very bad rap in Buddhist practice. I, I think it's very misunderstood in many ways. Uh, I was reading a book by Norman Fisher just recently, and he describes anger as the powerfully blind influence to do harm. And I went, what? For me, that's not anger. That might be ill will, that might be malice, that might be hatred. That's not anger. But for him, that's anger. So for me, it's very important to break it down and see, when I say anger, what am I talking about? Is there annoyance? Is there frustration? Is there... Boredom. Sometimes in Buddhist practice, boredom is considered anger. I haven't found that, but some people do. Um, Is there rage? You know, is the anger just boiling? What are all the various nuances and experiences of this big label of anger? And again, just like with the pain, I think, when we begin to break it down, when we see that anger is just a concept, and really there are these other things, there's annoyance, there's boredom, there's frustration, there's um, whatever. Then it becomes a little more manageable. It also becomes more understandable. It becomes not so scary. Many people are frightened of anger because can feel so overwhelming. Many people have been taught to suppress anger, and so, you know, there's a whole belly full of it inside, or perhaps a whole body full, and that can be pretty scary. I've had many people say to me, I'm afraid to look at my anger, because I'm afraid it'll come out and never end. Or sometimes that's true of grief or sadness, People are afraid to cry because it feels overwhelming. If I begin to cry, I'll never stop. But when we begin to see the the different components and how we can break it down, then it becomes more manageable. Also, we can remind ourselves that we can tolerate whatever the emotion is. Number one, we already have. (laughs) Whatever the experience that led to that emotion, we've already tolerated it. Nobody has ever died of an emotion that I know of. Now, we may not like a certain emotion. may be very unpleasant. And so we have aversion. We want to push it away. But it's good to remind ourselves that we can tolerate it. Now again, that doesn't mean that necessarily at this moment I can sit still with raging anger. Maybe not. Maybe I can only sit for a minute or two, and then I have to get up. Maybe I have to walk or run or swim or clean house or whatever one does um, to deal with that anger. Maybe I need to go talk to somebody—a good friend, a teacher, a mentor whatever. Maybe I need to do something physical, you know. There are lots of um, ways of working with it. But then I can come back. And maybe this time I can be with that feeling for a little bit longer. And so we keep coming back and coming back. Not pushing ourselves to do any more than feels right at the moment. But we can learn that we can tolerate the emotion. Just like with many or much pain, we can tolerate it, as long as it's not pain that's doing harm. We have to be careful of that. But if it's just the meditation pain, you know, the discomfort of sitting for a while, we can learn to be with it, to explore it. We don't have to move immediately we don't have to change our posture immediately it's the same with an emotion we can learn to stay with it to be with it to explore it to learn about to see what gift (laughs) this emotion is bringing us to see what it is we can learn from it and then As with meditation-type pain, um, usually that emotion will reduce. It may not go away, but usually the intensity will reduce. Then, then we can think more clearly and we can act out of a clear space rather than just reacting out of that emotion. I meant to say at the beginning, and I forgot. Um, if you have burning questions, please ask them as we go along. If uh, if it's not that important, then save it till the end. Maybe it'll get answered. But as I say things, you know, if something comes up and you really want to ask it, go ahead, ask it at the time. Okay. Another thing to remember about emotions are that they are processes and that they do process. So they're not so solid. Often when we're experiencing an emotion, it seems like that's all there is. We're consumed with grief or depression or whatever it is. Sometimes it's joy. We're just consumed with it. But actually, as we pay attention, we see that it's not so solid. That it comes and goes. Or it's intense and not so intense. Even in grief, you know, it can feel so solid. But when we pay attention, we see there are moments of not grief. There are moments, perhaps, of happiness. Of even joy mixed in with the grief. There are moments of perhaps pretty neutral, not a whole lot. And again, when we see that fluctuation, when we see the changing nature of emotions, they, the, they loosen or they, the grip they have on us begins to lessen. Then it becomes a little bit easier to accept and to not be so identified Identification is um, a big difficulty with emotion because we get so caught, we can get so identified with an emotion, that becomes our identity. Probably anger is, is the best example of that. We see people that we consider angry people, and then they get... They may get themselves, and we may get them stuck in that. They're angry people, and then every time we see them, we relate to them as an angry person. Or it might be depressed. Um, Depression seems to be epidemic in our society. And that makes me wonder, you know, what is this about? Why is depression so rampant? And I think there are probably many explanations. I find in my work as a psychotherapist that, again, depression is kind of an umbrella term, and it gets tossed around really pretty uh, unjudiciously. And when I work with people and we get to what's really going on, often I find there is sadness, there's unresolved sadness, or there is anger, or there is fear, or there, there's a myriad uh, number of things that get labeled depression. Sometimes I think depression, so-called depression, is a healthy response to a very unhealthy situation or society or times or pressure. That maybe, instead of trying to so quickly cure depression, maybe we need to pay attention to it. You know, what is it telling us? What is this really about? But first of all, looking more deeply, what is it that we're experiencing that we're calling depression? Depression. Is it situational, you know? Is it, is it sadness related to an event? Then let's deal with that. Or is it anger? Is it anger turned inward, which sometimes it is? Is it anger that can't be expressed? Or is it boredom or any number of things? But what? what is it? Is it appropriate to the situation? Oftentimes in my work, I find that I'm encouraging people not to deal with their, well, to deal with, but not to get rid of their emotion, whatever it be, but to look at the situation that created it and see what can be done with that situation. Maybe the emotion is the red flag that's saying something going on here. Pay attention here. Something needs doing. I have someone who I'm working with right now who comes in and is so angry at her boss. She's so angry. And she can go on and on and on about this boss. And I'm sure, you know, a lot, maybe all of it is true. But she herself was able to recognize and tell me last time that she realizes this is a cover, is a way for her to escape the pain of what's really going on in her life, the pain of what's going on in her family. And so now that she's seen that, then I can help guide her back and the first time I tried to do it, she wouldn't, she wouldn't go there. She told me clearly, but she wouldn't go back. She kept going back to the boss. So I said, okay, she's not ready to do that. Then the second time, I tried it. I let her go on for a while, and then I tried. You know, well, and this time she was able to. She could go back to really the hurt and the pain and the anger of this situation. That she really, in both cases, she feels very helpless, powerless. And my hope is, down the road, you know, we can deal with that, the powerlessness. I'm sure she's not as powerless as she feels she is. But how useful for her, and she's a meditation practitioner, to be able to see, ah, this anger is a diversion, not that there isn't truth to it but i can go there and then i don't have to feel the pain so this kind of knowing this kind of awareness and exploration can be very helpful to us that we don't just get caught by what seems like the emotion or what seems uh, what's strongest or the superficial emotion But we look a little bit deeper. What is behind this? What is really going on? And it doesn't have to be an either or. It may very well, very often be both. You know, there is this situation that I'm angry about and that's real. And it also is a way for me to focus on something that's not as painful, not as hurtful as what else is going on in my life. Um, just a couple more things and then I think I'll stop for questions when we begin to pay attention to our emotions which I hope you will over the next week um, that's going to be your homework to pay close attention to your emotions so we can work with them next week we begin to see often that each of us has habitual ways of reacting. There are probably certain emotions that come more easily to you, and that might be a habitual way that you react to certain situations. For some, it might be anger. For others, it might be fear. For some, it might be um, self-denigration or self-doubt or... Um, for some, it might be confusion. Uh, immediately, you know, I get confused, and then I, I don't know what to do. So it can be very helpful for us to begin to see, ah, this is a habitual response. This is sort of my MO. This is how I respond. And then we can begin to, to tease it out maybe and see, oh, maybe that's not so skillful. Maybe I don't need to respond to every situation in that way. And as I said skillful, it reminded me, I I started out saying that in Buddhist practice we often talk about the skillful emotions and the unskillful emotions, Um, the helpful emotions, the not so helpful emotions. And what I'd like to suggest is that we begin to shift the focus to ourselves. how we relate or how we deal with the emotion as opposed to the emotion. So that the emotion itself is not skillful or unskillful, but that our way of working with it is skillful or unskillful. You see what I mean? How we relate to it. Then we don't have to be so concerned about the emotion and about perhaps getting rid of it or pushing it away. But how can I skillfully relate to this emotion? How can I be, how can I use this emotion wisely? How am I perhaps not using it wisely at this time? Okay? I'm also going to suggest that as you explore and as you learn more about yourself and your emotional life, that you not be too quick want to change anything, to get rid of or to change an emotion, but stay with it a little bit, no, a lot, stay with it a long time, really get to know it. You may find that it will change on its own, that you don't really have to orchestrate the change or work really hard at changing it. But if you just keep bringing your awareness to that emotion, if you just keep exploring it, understanding it, seeing it for what it is, that it will change naturally. It will change on its own if it needs to. And maybe it doesn't need to. Maybe you'll find that it doesn't need to, that you can change in relation to it that how you relate to it, or how you work with it, or how you use it, can change. And the emotion can be um, the catalyst, can be, um, you know, as I say, the flag for you to become more aware. So, let me stop and see, are there questions, comments, um, things you'd like to share, perhaps?
1: together And decide that it kind of to decide, but at a given moment, um, assesses whatever is happening and says this is the appropriate emotion, and then I feel that. Uh-huh. Is, does that
2: make any sense? Absolutely.
1: <laughs>
0: yes, and that's very careful mindfulness.
1: Well, you know, a very simple emotion, so I've I uh-huh. never experienced that with anger or uh-huh.
0: So that brings up, you know, the judging mind that judges whether this is useful or not. Um, It also makes me think of the commentary, you know. So much of our lives is lived in the commentary, not the direct experience, and you caught the mind doing that, you know, the commentary, this is what it should be, yeah. That's wonderful, because now you can be free of that. Yeah, and begin so to right. see what the real experience is. Hmm? So
1: you're the sense that um, emotions are a little bit like thoughts, and that you can notice them, but you don't necessarily have to um, put a you know, on
2: them. Exactly,
1: believe so. them. <laughs>
0: and that, that reminds me, um, I did want to mention maybe all of you have heard of the movie, What the Bleep Do We Know? If you haven't, if you haven't seen it, I want to encourage you all to see it. Um, It's quite powerful, I think, and it talks about the power of our emotions and our thoughts and how we get stuck, how literally the brain um, neural pathways get so ingrained, and then it's very difficult to get out. They actually in the movie they refer to it as addiction. I refer to it as a rut. <laughs> but um yeah, I think it's I think it's a very good movie and very powerful and, and speaks to us on different levels, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, is that a current
2: movie? it Um It's Is it still in Mountain View? I
1: think it's a ten ten show though. They've yeah. It's yeah.
0: Yes, in San Jose at camera 12, it's on about four or five times a day.
2: <laughs>
0: okay. I, I suggest you see it as soon as you can because I think it's one of those movies, maybe won't stay around very long, you know, it might. Yeah. You had a question uh, yeah. or a comment? I wouldn't say mostly. Yeah. I think that can be a big part of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think anger is very complicated. I think there are many components. Like I said about depression, I think a lot of things get thrown in. Um, just like I read the quote from, from Norman Fisher, you know, that for him it's a, uh, a powerful impulse to harm. That's not what it is for me at all. <laughs> Um So I think, yes, there can be feelings of powerlessness, uh, and anger can bring a sense of power. you know? Often when we feel powerless in a situation, uh, anger helps us to feel more powerful. Um, Norman Fisher also said, to be fair to him in his book, that, that when the motivation is right, it's not really anger. When the motivation is good, I think he said, it's not really anger. Okay? (laughs) So there are many ways, I think, to, to see, to experience, to understand anger. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> That is frustrating. <laughs> I understand. Um, and then, of course, we can see the frustration. <laughs> yeah. Like with anything, you know, acceptance. That's just how it is. I remember one time um, Julie Wester, teacher at Spirit Rock, talking about a very similar thing, you know. And then her teacher who was Ruth Denison, said something about maybe you're numb. Not, I don't know if it was to her or to everybody, but, you know, there's also numbness. And Julie went, numbness? I know that. I feel that. And then that was the beginning of her becoming more aware of emotions. So for us to have an accepting attitude, if, if we're not aware either what it is or where we feel it in our body. Okay. So then the next time we ask, you know, we just hold the question. Mary Orr talks about living the question. I love that. I really adopted that idea of living the question. Okay, I don't know. At some point, you will know. You will become aware. I had a client one time many years ago that told me that... Um, I think this is how it was if he felt the emotion in his belly it was current stuff if he felt it in his chest it was old stuff i I was really impressed i thought wow you know i mean that's really being aware of your body and how you experience things so you know over time with awareness it will reveal itself as everything it will reveal itself or it won't. Then <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. But I think one of one of the reasons being aware of it in our bodies is that, you know, our bodies do hold emotions. And in times past, emotions have not been so readily accepted as they are now. And so very often people were taught I certainly was <laughs> not to be expressive, you know, to hold them down, not even to recognize what the emotion was. When children uh, are traumatized or something happens and there's a strong reaction, a strong emotion, often they're told not to express it, not to experience it. And then those emotions get locked in the body. And so we may be walking around. Um, holding certain emotions in our body. They can be memories or, or pure emotions or traumas. And they can lead to illness. They can lead to difficulties with our bodies. And there's um, a new body, well, new in the last few years, new awareness a new way of working with body sensations. When a friend of mine told me about it, I said, oh, that's what we do in mindfulness practice. (laughs) It really is staying with that experience, that bodily experience, and letting it lead to whatever. And it's a way of allowing the body um, to release the emotion, the trauma that has been held. So our bodies, um, we might say, don't lie. Our bodies tell us the truth. So it can be very instructive to pay attention to our bodies and to be aware of what we're experiencing where. You had
2: a question? Suggested to deal with the emotion. Yes. Can you elaborate on that? And you think that, especially on the investigation side, I was thinking that if that refers to looking into the cause of emotion, more, and if that really helps. You, you mentioned that it's more, um, I guess, you have to look at a skillful way of reacting to emotion rather than, uh, rather than just looking at the emotion by itself to see if the emotion by itself is.
0: Good, good question. Investigation can be tricky. Um, I actually like the word exploring better, simply because for me it has less of that digging quality. Um, we want to explore. We want to understand as much as we can the emotion. There is, there can be a difference in Buddhist practice or meditation practice and psychotherapy, in that in Buddhist practice it's not so important, it's not unimportant, but it's not so important to understand the origin. Um, We're directed more to the experience of the emotion itself, the physical sensations, not so much about what the origin is. However. If we're mindful and if we're paying attention and if there's an important origin, it usually shows itself. In psychotherapy, we tend more to look at what is the origin? Where does that come from? And I find that very useful. I find it very helpful. Now we can go overboard, you know, and get too involved in that. And then I direct people more back to just the pure. Emotion, just the experience and the bodily experience. But understanding where an emotion got started or or a habit, a habitual emotion got started, can be useful. It can help us to actually let go of it. Because it seems that things that we understand we can more easily let go of. If we don't understand, often it haunts us. And often there's... um, there's something to be learned, there's something to be understood by knowing the origin. But if we put our attention on the emotion, our experience of it, our awareness of it, the physical sensations of it, and allow it to teach us, allow it to show whatever needs to be shown, that's a lighter investigation. <laughs> Does that help?
2: Sure. So I just, yeah, I could I, I see the difference in and, and, uh second priorities.
0: They they cross over, of course. You know, I feel very fortunate um, to be learned in both because I think the more I am the less distinction there is. But um, but there are sometimes these sort of distinctions.
2: Mm-hmm. When you want to um, explore and, uh, about the emotion, the past emotion, let's say I had uh, a strong emotion yesterday. So I sit, after that I sit, and what do you ask the question? How, what, how do I ask the question? I, you know, going breathing, it doesn't do. Uh, and I ask the question, what is it about? What was that about? What what the emotion it was about? Mm-hmm. So ask that question was helpful than just do the breathing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it, it still doesn't give give me an answer. What was that about? But you know that I could still sit on it and can go back that incident and, you know, ask the question about the emotion. That's
0: right. What was that about? Strong emotional problem. Mm -hmm. The answer may not always come right at the time. It may be later. And it doesn't, I find, it doesn't always come on the cushion. You know, it may be later that it comes to me. That's why I like the idea of living the question. We hold the question, oh... What is that about? But we don't have to go digging, you know? We just hold the question and trust that if it's important, it will show itself. It
2: actually wakes me up uh, this morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Usually I don't wake up. I don't have to sleep like a baby. Yeah. And it uh, now because of the emotion, strong emotion. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting again and I sat again. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, there are some things that we never will understand. Sometimes it never will come. And that's just how it is. But as we meditate and we bring our awareness, we allow the emotion to process. And it might process out of our awareness, you know. It might be a bodily process. But if we just hold you know, if we just accept it, name it, (laughs) accept it, um, we're not so identified with it, it has a chance to process. And sometimes it'll process, and it'll move out, and we may never know what that was. It's just how it is. (laughs) Okay.
3: I think the, the perplexing thing to me about emotions is that they seem to want to be felt, but in general, don't seem to want to feel them. And, um, you know, just in watching what, um, what people do or don't do, I mean, is anything really difficult to do, or is it just you don't want to feel what you're going to feel when you're doing that? So you're and what I found, it just seems really strange to me that my emotions seem to be kind of extroverted a sense of, they want attention. Uh They want, Uh um, like in exploring depression, for example, I could be depressed for a few days, not know why, not know what it's about. And it seems that the depression is this, um, not having the opportunity to express them in a way where they feel like they're getting attention. And so, for example, I can be depressed for two or three days, and then I happen to be writing an email to someone or something. And then I start writing more, and I start writing more, and, I st- and it all starts unraveling all these things that I've been feeling, you know. And all of a sudden, I get it, the emotions come out. And I'm not depressed anymore. <laughs> but it seemed to me, the fact that some, or I thought someone else was listening. Yes. And so for me, sometimes sitting just alone, people don't want a psychic front, some attention or something. Yes. do not want to be felt by itself. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's how psychotherapy came into being. It was recognized that there is a need for us as humans to be heard. And often, just it can be just one other person. But to be heard and understood seems to be a very basic human need. And if we don't get it in other ways, then psychotherapy is a way to get it.
3: Mm-hmm. Or even the perception that you're being heard. I might not send 9 out of 10 of those emails. <laughs> <laughs> no one might ever actually <laughs> hear it. <laughs> at the moment I'm writing it, I am thinking someone's going to hear it. And oh. that's all in that. Oh
0: Well, that's great. That's great. But there is, I think, for most of us, maybe for all of us, that need for a witness, that need to be heard by at least one other person and accepted or understood. Yeah?
3: Oh yeah, so before I guess there was kind of a theme of people wanting the cause or emotions or something, and it, it kind of reminded me of this parable about the arrows, about if you're shot by the arrow, you want to look at the arrow and see who made it and what color it was you want to uh, take the arrow out? And I, I, I was wondering if you thought
0: that would be a um, uh, To whether it's important to know where it comes from or understand it. Um, you know, I don't think there's an either or. I think sometimes it's quite useful to understand, and other times it may be totally unnecessary. Um, we can start as I suggested during the meditation, with just trying to let go. And sometimes, if it's not particularly strong, it'll probably release and go. Now, if it keeps coming back, you know, we bring our mindfulness, we see where we experience in our body, we accept it, we name it, you know, we explore a bit, uh, etc., and it keeps coming back, then maybe further work is needed. Maybe it is important then to get at the origin. Um, other times if it just lets go and go, then perhaps it's not. It doesn't okay. Yeah. It takes time. It takes time. It takes a lot of time. And um, I'm aware that I can be both reacting and aware of it at the same time. Yeah. I know that I'm caught, even. Now, if you know it, then you're not quite as caught. Um, but it just takes time and awareness. Just practicing over and over and over. And remember, we've some of these habits we've been doing for years, years and years. Some of these ruts, you know. It often takes something really jarring to catapult us out of it. So to have faith that if we're aware—well, at least we're aware now. We didn't used to be aware. Now there's awareness. And over time, over time, you will see, if you keep bringing your awareness, you will see that the reaction diminishes, diminishes, diminishes. And as you come to understand it, perhaps, the more you understand, um, often then the intensity diminishes. And I think, um, as this gentleman was saying, it's, it's really important to note that whatever our experience, but... We're talking about emotions now. Emotions want to be acknowledged. They want to be seen. They don't want to be pushed under the carpet or pushed away. They won't, don't want to be denied. Deny an emotion and it will plague you. I guarantee it will come up again and again. They want their time. I think this is what Rumi was referring to. You know, that they need to be acknowledged Welcomed in the sense of acknowledging and accepting. Then they might disappear. They might relax. But they need their day in court. They need to be seen. I'm going to suggest we stop and I'll stay around because it's three minutes after nine. Um, I do want to encourage you over this next week to pay attention to your emotions, both on the cushion and or on the chair. And just as you go about your daily life try periodically throughout the day just for a moment ask yourself what am i feeling what emotion is present right now you might be amazed you might be surprised and if there's nothing fine let it go but then you know a few hours later just check in what am i experiencing Okay. And bring those experiences, questions, etc. next week and we'll continue with this topic. Okay. So let's just sit for a moment. May any benefit of our practice here together this evening be for the benefit of all beings everywhere. May all beings live with awareness. May all beings be free.